Welcome to the Puberty Prof Podcast, where information and tools are shared to help you have conversations about puberty and other growing up topics. Here is your host, Lori Reichel, the Puberty Prof, a nationally recognized health educator, author of the award-winning book, Common Questions Children Ask About Puberty, and creator of the Talk Puberty app. And welcome to the Puberty Prof Podcast. My name is Lori Reichel, the Puberty Prof. And today's episode is going to be an introduction about body image and the challenges that children can have with body image. To help me out, I have a phenomenal health educator, Irene Kuchina, who I need her to introduce herself because she has this phenomenal background that I'd like her to share with you. So thank you for being here, Irene. Would you mind saying hi and telling us a little bit about yourself? Hi, Lori. Thank you so much for having me on today. This is so exciting for me. Well, I'm a professor in the Health and Human Performance Department at Plymouth State University in Plymouth, New Hampshire. People get confused. They think I'm at Plymouth, the rock. But there is a Plymouth in New Hampshire, in central New Hampshire, near the base of the White Mountains. And my main responsibility is to prepare health educators and physical educators at both the undergraduate and the graduate level. I taught for 18 years, K-12, health and physical education, with a lot of my work being done at the secondary, 6th through 12th grade, as well as preparing teachers to, to tackle difficult content, which turned me on to becoming a teacher educator. My major commitment to health ed started in the mid-80s when I was a health and physical educator at a high school, and the students start talking really loud in your phys ed class, and you start hearing what they're talking about, and I realized our health education class didn't exactly address their needs. It was pretty much a welcome to wellness, and then my sister became ill, and I had a real commitment towards health. So that's why I am committed to health education. Great. And thank you again for being here today. To start off our conversation about body image, why do you believe this topic of body image is of importance, particularly for parents and other caregivers that are listening in or for children? Oh, you all, I so wish there was something like this when I was growing up. Growing up, the eldest of four daughters in an Italian household where they moved from the city of Queens to Long Island, you would have thought we were the pilgrims. And we were very isolated from the rest of our family, but everyone on the block seemed to come from the city. And my mom from a very early age would talk to us about how fat she felt, how she looks fat, how she felt fat. By seven years old, I remember her going on her first diet and the diet was literally a year long. She lost 52 pounds and a pound a week. And it really was very restrictive. And that's when her language to us started changing as females. And you don't realize it until I became a health educator and realized I started to hear this voice in my head. That was my mom's voice. And so part of my re-educating my own head was to realize that the body we live in is our home. And if we're not comfortable at home, 
we're not going to be comfortable anywhere. And I realized that the preoccupation with how we look in this world and how we talk as teachers and parents and caregivers affect everyone around us. So this is why I think it's most important because my mom did not purposely want us to become all obsessed about food and weight. She didn't go out to say, I'm going to do this to my daughters, but it was something that she obsessed over, which created an obsession with all of us. And so as a health educator, if I can help people even hear their friends talk. I'm in like seventh grade and I hear my friends say something. If I realize that what they're saying is just, I wouldn't say that to my best friend. Why are you saying that to yourself? Then we've done a good job as health teachers and as caregivers. Excellent. I'm hearing you infer in there that we in the health education field teach children and teenagers about analyzing influences to be aware of the messages that they receive, which is one of our national health education standards, by the way. Yes. Because we recognize that it can be a family member, a parent. It might also be an educator. I know when I talk to future educators, like elementary school educators, I remind them that if you're going to choose to eat a certain way because you're concerned about your body, this is not shared with students. And I, I never let them talk about losing weight if they're talking about their body. It's about the things that they can do regarding moving their bodies, loving their bodies, if they choose to have more greens. Because certainly we know that to have a variety of food, that's great in our lives. And we can sometimes have a splurge on something. So I love how you were... Am I correct to say analyzing influences? Because really part of the problem is, you know, as babies, we love our little bodies. We take our toes and we wiggle them. And we're so, we are so enamored with how our body moves as little babies in our car seat. Now mothers and dads and caregivers, siblings. Oh, look at how the baby's moving their little feet. They're so adorable. And then you become a toddler and you're crawling and you want everyone to watch you. You want everyone to watch as you run fast with your new sneakers on. And it's joyful. Movement is joyful. Your body is joyful. Watch me, watch me, watch me. Yes. And then there comes that time in puberty, pre-puberty, around eight or nine, where all of a sudden you start looking around, you look at yourself, and that social comparison and that body ideal internalization. And you've been hearing your mom talk about herself. She's never talked about you. You're starting to hear this on television. You watch the cartoons and you see the people that they're depicting as nine and 10 year olds. And look how cute they are. Oh, no, girls have long straight hair. And all of this is internalized. And then that voice is in your head. And so part of it is for us to really teach, not by ninth grade, but really young on to analyze those influences. I tell parents cartoons are great. We watched really crazy cartoons in the in the 70s. And part of it is parents, if you watch those cartoons, you watch Nickelodeon, there's a few themes I make my 
college students watch again. First theme is they make parents look like they don't know what they're talking about. So many, so much. So kids can't talk to their parents in these shows because, you know, the dad doesn't know what's going on. The mom just loves whatever the kid does. They're their little schmoopy. And that it's, it's so true. And then their friends know everything. And their friends make these really wise choices for me regarding relationship and choices. And really your parents know a lot more than you think they know because they used to a long time ago to you, but really just around the block to them went through puberty themselves. And part of their language is directly connected to their internal voice. So it's really interesting to have a fourth grader say to their mom, I've had my fourth graders do this. Mom, when you say that, what voice do you hear? And when my 10-year-old said to me, what voice do you hear? And I never really thought of it. And here I am in my 30s. And I thought, wait a minute. You know, I hear grandma's voice. Tell me, do you really need that extra pork chop? And he goes, see? And he was able to help me reflect on my body image. And so my goal is that even if it's the parents and caregivers that now reflect on their own body image and where they came from and their parents and what they've heard as children and see if that internalization is starting to happen. Cause we all know when puberty happens, girls get a little bit, they have a little weight on them. Boys get a little weight. And if mom is talking negatively or dad or caregiver about bread, when did bread become the devil? Bread is not bad food. <laughs> There's no bad food. Food is food. And with moderation, all food is delicious and wonderful. I'm Italian, but I don't want to be afraid of food and fear food. Mm-hmm. Um, so, yes, I think influence is so, so important when you think that 90% of girls by age 17 have dieted. Yeah. 90. So nine out of 10 girls by 17 have tried to diet. They're maturing. They're growing. Everybody grows, as you've talked in your previous podcasts, about we all go through it, but at different rates. And I remember one of your podcasts talked about one girl who said, I felt like I was so slow. I didn't get my period until eighth grade. And as I listened to it, I almost cried for myself because my period came in the summer of going into fifth grade. And I was traumatized and I had severe cramps. My mother had very easy periods. And her answer was, get up and walk around. And my answer was, I can't function. What's happening? And nobody in my grade had their period in fifth grade. And so my body image started to change and I started covering up in fifth grade. Wow. And that's 10. So, yes, as you know, these people that you're talking to at the college, 22-year-olds, it makes my heart ache because they're feeling the same pains I felt in the 70s, and I had hoped that health education had improved. So let's go get them, health educators, parents. Parents, you are a health educator. That's what you do every day. Yes, yes. And certainly another standard that we have in health education is communication skills. So one of those skills, if you recognize that maybe you did 
have an influence on another person that wasn't the best to attempt to talk with them about it. And to, like Irene had said, say, I was listening to this voice because these voices that we have around us, it can be family members. It can be in the community. It could be associated with something we attend on a regular basis. It can be public policy. There's so many layers of influence yet we can recognize it and then talk with our children about it. And then children too, you can talk with a family member or a trusted adult about these things. Because something that I like to process with students is you know, how many when the people, when they were younger, had that naked time. I don't know if you had children that did that. It was like naked. They, you would prepare naked. the child for the, the bath or it was right after. And they'd go running around the house naked. And at some point it was like, no, I got to cover up. But I appreciate that you're talking about how to look at why we have these thoughts and how we can have people pause, reflect on them and say, why is this a comparison to a friend? Is this, you know, my body is changing. And like you said, as we're going through puberty, we do feel this extra tissue on our body. And it's part because you're having these hormones released. It's part of growing up. Right. The other thing you made me think of is the media. I'll even just go to Halloween costumes. Where for children, the choices, if you identify as a girl, you can be the princess. If you look at the college costumes, though, for females, they're not just the princess. They're the princess showing a lot of skin, having to have cleavage. It's very sexual, very, very sexual. And then if you look at the Halloween costumes for superheroes, I know when I was growing up, you had that costume that you had to make sure you kept away from the flame. Similar costumes still exist, yet the stomachs, they have these characters like, I'm trying to think like the Hulk, they have a six pack or a 12 pack that's it's a shown. 12 pack, Lori. And I've seen my neighbor's kids compare their stomachs and they're not even 11 years old. And they're like, oh, my six packs. And it's like, why is this going on? Why can't they love their body? And certainly they can exercise, but children can't necessarily get this muscle formation until they reach a certain level of adolescent development. Exactly. And the thing is, is that people think that this only happens with females body image problems of what you think about a part of you, your hair, your color of your eyes, the color of your skin, the color of your hair, the way your body is shaped, is it happens with boys. And if you look at magazines from the 50s, 60s, 70s, 80s, 90s, 2000, the look now is no hair, yeah. very washboard stomachs for males, very square jaw, which indicates that they're almost starving themselves to the point of so lean. And it's not realistic because even people know with filters on Instagram that this is, we show it, everybody shows it. Axe has a really great educational resources for boys the under, under um, antiperspirant to help boys with their bodies as they go through puberty. And the Dove self-esteem is trying to help all of us are beautiful beings. You talked about the popcorn experiment. Parents can re in, they can infuse this any night they make popcorn. Come on over here to the third grader. What do you hear? It can happen in a microwave. It happens in the microwave. 
And isn't this great? We're all different. And mm-hmm. they can't control their genes. You know, girls want to be thin, but curvy. And boys want to be muscular. And they don't have the hormones yet during prepubescent time. They don't realize if you show them one season of The Biggest Loser, those people are exercising eight hours a day. Yeah. If that's your job, the actors and actresses that get there, they are exercising 10, 12 hours a day. The United States gymnastics team, Simone Biles, did not just start swinging on a bar. She's able to do things on a rope that anybody like me, who was in puberty in the fifth grade and could not climb the rope because I was rather curvy in front of the whole class. She's worked really hard for that. So we have to kind of teach our children that to look any specific way, it's hard work, it's rigor. And it's not your job. Your job is to be a kid and go to school and play and to be active and eat well and get enough sleep and water. And all of those things combined in moderation, you're going to be great because we're all unique. Yes. You're reminding me of the story of a velveteen rabbit. <gasps> yes. And how the rabbit, it's about being loved, even if you're eye, one eye is popped out or you're a little disheveled. It's about who you are as a person, not the package that you're in and how that package appears. Exactly. Exactly. And I have to tell people when you're in your teens, oh, the package is so important to everybody. You think everyone's looking at you, but they're only looking at themselves. They're so worried about themselves. And then in the mid-20s, you start to look inside yourself and at others and what you value and what you believe in. And then the outside, no matter what it looks like, is beautiful to you because the person you've met has similar values and beliefs as you. Their heart is a big heart. They're a hard worker. And that's what I'd like parents to do. Their language, why do we have to tell little girls they're so pretty? All babies are pretty, but they're kind. Aren't you just active and creative? Oh, I love how you're putting those blocks together. You are so strong. That is an excellent drawing. You did a beautiful job. We do that with a lot of things, but then we keep saying to little girls, aren't you so beautiful? And to little boys, aren't you so handsome and strong? When... Girls, physiologically parents and caregivers, are actually stronger than little baby boys at birth. Yet we toss little baby boys in the air and they are not physiologically and mechanically, their bones are not as developed as female. So female little babies are much stronger. Yet the societal norms has taught us this blue, pink, when we all should be sage green, yellow and happy because your image and the voice you tell your children about even yourself will follow them. And I love when you say, examine your own upbringing. Look at, think about your own first crush. Think about your own puberty. 
think about what it was like when all of a sudden you look down in the boys' bathroom and you're like, what is this? What's happening? And you look to your right and you look to your left. And even though as grownups, we can see a sixth grade class with one boy that looks like he's 20 and one boy who looks like he's in third grade. And eventually, guess what? That kid that looks 20 stops growing. And the kid that looked in third grade is a man by the time he's 20 as well. And everyone gets there. And it's just a wonderful, wonderful world we live in. I love what you're saying. I am amazed that you are referring to so many of the previous episodes. It's like if this was your summative assessment at the end of a course, you're flying high getting an A here. The main base is you're communicating so many positive messages, which is wonderful. And I'm so happy that you're helping to train future educators so they can be as passionate and aware of how the skill based of analyzing influences and communication decision-making is so important for young people. One more thing, parents, don't be afraid to be honest. If you make yourself to be this perfect little child and you grew up as a perfect teenager and then you went to college as this perfect college student, you have these unrealistic expectations that your child places upon themselves from your language. One thing as a teacher is I've always been really honest. In puberty, I had crushes that broke my heart. And no matter what I said to my kid, I couldn't stop his heart from being broken. Just sit next to him and be quiet. And now that we all make it through, but for parents, a lot of you, I know it's so hard and it's sensitive and I'm afraid to talk about it. Just try, just open the conversation and just make yourself a little vulnerable if you want your kids to be vulnerable with you. Thank you. You're welcome. Now, do you have any recommendations for children regarding their body image? I do. I do have recommendations for children. I would like children, when you are growing up, to hear and listen to your friends. Your peers, as you get to be fifth and sixth grade, are so important to you. So if you are listening to your friends and they are talking negatively about others relative to the way they look or dress, be an upstander. Don't be a bystander. I'd like you to say, you know, I'm uncomfortable with that because the kids that get bullying the most at this age are overweight kids. And these overweight kids often are going through puberty a little bit faster And you want to hang out with people that encourage you, that make you feel good about your body. If they're saying bad stuff about the kid at the next table, who knows what they're thinking about you? And you don't need that. I like to tell people no stinking thinking. We don't want that negativity because it surrounds you. So if you at all look at someone and your first judgment is about their looks then I'd like you to think inward, where does that come from? And then all of a sudden you realize your friends are saying these bad things about people. And it's very unfair because you don't know. 
You don't know. Maybe they only have one set of jeans to wear to school. Maybe they've just had some serious issues at home and didn't even have breakfast. And now you're making fun of the fact that their hair is not brushed the way you like it. So if you have people around you like that, I say reflect on those friendships and maybe remove yourself. I think that diet, shaming each other. Why are you eating that? Oftentimes they're not at you, but it's reflected on themselves. And they're probably thinking, why can she eat that or he eat that? And I can't. We have to think about when people talk to you, a lot of times they're projecting their own thoughts onto you. So think about your friends. And then I think you need to look at your time on social media because it's heavily idealized beauty in social media. And research indicates that parents who limit your social media or you actually limit yourself, they feel better about their bodies. There's less dissatisfaction. Go out and play. Be active. See the good things your body can do because it's really amazing. Like you fall down and scrape your leg. In a few days, you're healed. That's amazing. That's like a a miracle. You get dust in your eye. And somehow, with a little eye wash, you can see. Like your body is just awesome. So love the body you live in. Learn what your body can do. But make sure you take care of the body you live in. Get enough sleep. Sleep's a big thing, you all. Staying up late at night. First of all, it makes you feel yucky because you're watching all this social media. And then... You don't get enough sleep, you can't think, can't even do anything right the next day. So get enough sleep, hydrate, and be active. Surround yourself with positive people, no poopy people. Wonderful advice. Wonderful, Irene. And I'm thinking that for the young people that are listening, as you age, it's it's pretty cool to get older because you... (laughs) you will have more responsibilities yet you also have more options and you can continue to figure out more of who you are. And if you're taking the ride you bought the ticket for, that's what I choose to say. It's one of my mottos in life. I'm taking the ride. I bought the ticket for as you age, you feel more comfortable figuring out who you are. So as Irene had said, if you're hanging out with people that aren't helping you feel positive about who you are, is that what you deserve? How about being with people that care and accept you and support the goals that you have to talk to you about when you're concerned to love you for who you are? Before we get going, Irene, is there anything else you'd like to say for our audience? I would like y'all to know that both Lori and I just want y'all to be happy in the body you have and that everyone has gone through this and you're not alone. So as Lori said, and she's talked about in these podcasts, if your parent feels uncomfortable, turn them onto the podcast. If you as a parent or caregiver feel uncomfortable, listen to the podcast. Ask ask another parent, an aunt, an uncle, don't be afraid to talk. I have found that when you are honest, And you say to your kid, I feel a little uncomfortable about this. How do you feel about? They tend to help us. Who's teaching whom? 
open your heart and let your child teach you things. And then you can teach them things and they will be much better for it. I want to thank Lori for this podcast and all of the guests. I have truly enjoyed this experience and I love the podcast. So I'm strongly recommending it to all of you as well as health teachers and health educators out there. Take advantage of what Lori Reichel, the puberty prof, is doing. You rock, Irene. You really do. Thank you. I have to say, talking with peers such as yourself, it is so great. This is why we love what we do. This is why we're preparing future educators. But you can tell from definitely Irene's voice, she cares. She cares about young people. She cares about their caregivers. So thank you for all that you're doing, Irene. Before we started recording today, Irene and I were talking about talking more specifically about body image, depending upon how you identify. So there will be future episodes for those that identify as male, those that identify as females, those in the LGB community, uh, in the trans community, because we want people to talk honestly about the challenges they might have about body image, as well as how they got past it. Expect that in the future. Irene, if people wanted to get in touch with you, how could they do that? You can get in touch with me at I C U C. I-N-A at Plymouth, P-L-Y-M-O-U-T-H dot E-D-U. I'm also on Twitter at iCuchina. Um, and just, yeah, reach out. I'd love to hear from you. I train teachers to be comfortable in their own skin to teach their students in the K-12 classroom the sensitive topic. So you caregivers... I understand. You can do it. We're proud of you. Excellent. And if you want to connect with me, you can go to pubertyprof.com. There's some comment boxes there. You can send a message there. And I also have a Twitter or Facebook account. You can look for the Puberty Prof. That'd be great. And I thank our listeners so much for listening. Thank you for your time today. Remember, this is an opportunity to sit down or be in the car with family members to listen together and then pause and talk about something. So thank you for listening. And I hope that you have a happy and healthy day. Thank you for listening to the Puberty Prof Podcast, where information and tools are shared to help you have conversations about puberty and other growing up topics. Did you enjoy this episode? Please like, share, and subscribe wherever you listen to podcasts. You can also follow the Puberty Prof on Twitter or Instagram. The Puberty Prof, Lori Reichel, wants to hear from you. Go to pubertyprof.com or click on the link in this episode's description. There you can find more information as well as ask questions to be answered by the Puberty Prof in a future episode. That's pubertyprof.com. Also, remember to check out the Talk Puberty app and the book, Common Questions Children Ask About Puberty. Until next time, this is the Puberty Prof Podcast where information and tools are shared to help you have conversations about puberty and other growing up topics.